All right, eCountNews.com is absolutely honored to have back on board the podcast show NASA's avionics systems engineer, Jonathan Grinblatt. Jonathan, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure to be back. All right, man, pleasure to have you back. Let's get into this um, a few months ago in August. It's amazing how it's, how it's already passed a few months. Um, you guys landed Curiosity on the surface of Mars, just a thrilling um events you know everything worked fine uh just give us an update on the current health of the rover and how it's performing thus far the rover is performing beyond our expectations um we've completed most of the checkouts of all of our systems and everything is working great um we only have one minor issue um with one of where a backup wind sensor got damaged during the landing Mm-hmm. But because it is the backup, it's okay, and the primary one is working just fine, so we can still do our full science. All right. So, did that happen with the sky crane coming down, and and, and the uh, some of the maybe some of the sand or rocks kicked up and, and damaged it? Yeah, that's what we think happened because it's uh, the only instrument that's completely exposed uh, to the environment. Um, so, we think that the sky crane um, disconnected and flew away. Um, during that, a lot of the pebbles got kicked up and likely. Okay. Have any of the other instruments, anything else not performed as expected, or everything's just perfectly doing well? Better than we expected. Um, it's quite amazing that it's performing just as well as it did on Earth um, before it launched. So it had a very comfortable ride, it looks like, to Mars. That's awesome. All right, so how far has the rover traveled um, thus far from its original landing site? Um, it's traveled about a third of a mile or half a kilometer, um, and it's currently on its way to a site called Glen Elg. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's special about the site is it's where three different terrains meet up, um, different types of terrains. So it, if you look at an aerial map of this location, it looks like three completely different types of uh, ground. Um, so it'll be interesting to see exactly what each one is made up of and uh, any surprises that may be hiding there. Yeah, man, definitely. I did, I did see that. I watched the last press conference uh, with that fan effect, and we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, what about video? Now, last time me and you spoke, we were excited about the um the EDL and getting the video of that. Will there be any video of the surface of its travels? Uh, yeah, actually, um, there there are plans to at some point while we're driving take video um, while we're driving of the train. Um, we have done some time lapses already um, that are on uh, NASA's website um, mm-hmm. where you can see us um, driving around. And you see, you know, objects coming closer or farther away. Okay, good. That's good. Now, that, that's another thing I'm excited about is to actually see some video of another planet. I mean, that's a first. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and actually we also took video of a solar eclipse of one of Mars's moons. Oh, wow. Um, and that's also posted on NASA's website. I interested. All right, so now the recent report that, that, that was just released is the rover is reporting much warmer air temperatures um, where it's at. How surprised were you guys by that news? Um. You know, there's a lot of unknowns, you know, with where we're landing. We, we have lots of satellite data ahead of time, but until you get deep into the 
is interesting, and that's one of the reasons why we're doing this, is to get better understanding of everything that's there. Now, let me ask you this. Does the warmer temperature mean a longer lifespan for, for the rover, or is it, a, is it nuclear-powered, or is it not so much on, on batteries? Um, it, it may help with the life of the parts on the rover a little bit, um, but because it's uh, the, the nuclear power on it, that actually keeps it pretty warm. So the rover should be stable um, in its temperature for the most part throughout its mission. We do see a little bit of temperature cycling, for example, day, day versus night. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the, the fact that it's a little bit warmer probably doesn't affect it too much. Now, what's the warmest the the rover's experienced so far? I read something where it was almost 50 degrees somewhere Fahrenheit. Uh, I'm not sure about that actually. Um, okay. It, yeah, sorry. Oh, that's all right. All right, so. Um, I'm trying to get into more science. I know you're an engineer. You don't really, uh, at least I'm not sure how much science you get into on this. I'm sure you have a lot of interest in it, though. Um, it landed, the rover landed, and you mentioned a minute ago about the different surfaces in the three different spots, um, and they call that like a fan effect where they believe um, it was it was a running water, um, some sort of a stream. Um, is that a matter of confident speculation or can you guys say that it's almost a fact at this point that there was water there um so uh, one of the things we've discovered the last few weeks is um and one of the areas we've been driving is that um the area looks very similar to what would a, a dry uh, fast-moving riverbed would look like um so the very small pebbles are very rounded and kind of cemented together um so it's really looking like there's a fast-moving stream at some point over there. Wow. All right, so the rover was designed not so much to find evidence of life now, right? It's Basically, it's looking for if the planet could have supported life in the past. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, and also looking for kind of like the building blocks of life, organic compounds, things like that. When do you foresee some solid results that NASA can release to determine whether or not the organic, you know, compounds are there? Um, it'll probably be at least a few months because um, all the scientists have to go through all the They're getting way more data than you can handle at this point. <laughs> There's just so much good data coming in. Um, so they just need to go through everything, do some peer reviews, um, and, and, and stay a few months to a year. You know, there'll be some journal articles published and some good findings announced. Do you, do you think there's a chance we'll get some jaw-dropping surprises from this mission? You know, you never know. It's hard to say. Um, we're all hopeful, you know, we'll learn something that we couldn't even imagine. Um, and past uh, Mars projects have let us learn things that we didn't expect, so I'm hoping that this will do that too. Is the instruments working that, that test the wind speed? Could, have we had any data on as far as how, to, how fast the winds are blowing there? ask you a, little, a question a little bit a little bit um, I don't know it's not so much um, 
let me just ask, put it to you this way. If, if, if on a scale of one to ten, let's do it that way. One, there's no life to on on the surface or, or underneath the surface in Mars currently, or ten, there is somewhere uh, underneath the surface or wherever on the on the planet. What do you think that number is? Um, if you had to guess, I would say it's somewhere at a two or three, um, mainly because the current conditions of Mars aren't very favorable to life um, because the doesn't have an ozone layer like Earth does, so mm-hmm. a lot of radiation comes in from the sun. Um, doesn't have a magnetic field, um, so a lot of the um, high-energy particles hit the surface, which doesn't happen on Earth. So probably currently there's not a very good chance of life, but we do think that millions of, uh, a billion years ago that Mars likely had a very similar environment to Earth, and back then there, there was a very good chance of life. So that's kind of why we're doing what we're doing, is to see if there's any evidence of past life, um, and if any of the conditions were of the past were could have been favorable towards life. And is it fair to say that your two or three number, instead of being zero, maybe can, can be maybe the possibility of life beneath the surface, down in some caverns or caves, underground caves? feel any more confidence maybe on Europa or one of the other gas planet moons or maybe more of a chance for life? Anything in the pipe for that to happen? Um, there's there's a couple uh, proposals in the works. Um, if the there potentially may be something that's sent to Europa around 2018, 2020, um, if it gets approved by NASA. I just hope I'm not in a retirement, like in a wheelchair or something at that point. Okay. Yeah, it'll take, <laughs> it'll take a, a few years to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what about the success of the mission overall, which has been uh, that's a home run so far in, in everybody else, in everybody's eyes? Um, better chance for, for the government to come around and give, give some more funding to NASA because of this? Yeah, definitely. If we didn't have a successful landing or if the rover, you know, was hobbling along, I think that would have mm. really hurt the chances for future uh, projects and missions. Um, but I think with the great success, it, it's really opened up uh, our chances of getting something really cool approved in the future and going to the next level. Man, I was... That's why it was so terrifying with with this EDL, man, because I looked at you guys watching the, the live feed, and um, I just saw white knuckles and, and just pale, pale skin. <laughs> Everybody was just like, you know, but then, of course, the celebration happened, but I was pretty nervous, too. I wanted this thing to, to, to make it because, yeah, like you said, it would be a doomed, uh, you know, from here on forward, it would be like a doomed thing, right? They wouldn't even think about giving money for Mars anymore. Yeah, I mean, the, the situation that looked pretty dire, 
Yeah, I bet, I bet so. All right, so let's talk Sky Crane real quick. Do you think that um, with the success of how how it did, it, was, it worked flawlessly. That that's that's the procedure we'll use for future Mars landings, the Sky Crane approach. Um, for for very heavy objects that we send to Mars, I think it will definitely be the way to go. Um, that we had to use something different than airbags, like we've used in the past, mm. um, or just plain uh, thrusters. Um, slowly lowering the lander um, because of just how heavy the rover was. So I think it is, the success has really opened up what sorts of things we can send there. Um, if we send small objects, we may use airbags again or different methods. Um, but if we want to send something so large again, you know, and even potentially in the future start, you know, something for human exploration, landing heavy objects to enable that, we may very well use skycrate maneuver again. What about a, uh, a return, like a soil return mission to Mars? Is that something being talked about where they can bring oh, yeah, things? Yeah. yeah, it definitely has. There's lots of research right now into what we need to do to make that possible. Um, there's talk of potentially doing a joint venture with the European Space Agency to make that happen. Um, so there's lots of talk, and people are really looking forward to doing that. Um, it's probably about a, at least a decade away from that happening, um, but it's definitely things something that people are thinking about and starting to plan. All right, so last thing I got for you, Jonathan, and again, we really appreciate you coming on board. Um, give me your prediction. Um, first humans on Mars. I mean, are we looking 50 years, or me and you can be allowed to see that? Um, I think it'll be before 50 years. Um, I'm guessing, it, you know, it really depends what happens with our, the economic situation if NASA's funding is you know, kept at its current levels or if it's cut or, um, but I think it's something that's definitely possible in probably, it, probably 30 or so years. That, that's something I certainly hope that I'm alive to see. Um, I mean, that would be, that would be, you know, that'd be huge. Put it, put it into your words how big that would be. I mean, obviously Neil Armstrong's moon landing was, is, is probably still the greatest achievement, um, of mankind, what about the well, feet on the ground on Mars? Yeah, that would just, I, I would be completely, I think everyone would just be completely blown away. Uh, I mean, it'd be <laughs> something truly spectacular. Absolutely. Jonathan, thank you so much for, for doing this interview again. Um, give me some closing thoughts. Any, any closing thoughts for all the Mars fans out there and people that are excited about this mission? Um, I'll just say keep watching us, uh, keep going to NASA's website for updates um, on what we find. Um, I think this could be some exciting things we find in the future, so keep uh, checking on us.